1041. Hello and a good uh, Tuesday morning, everyone. Ooh, a freeze warning this morning. Oh, for Ozark County. Everyone else, don't worry about it, though. Ozark County. Uh, look at that first alert forecast coming up here in just a couple of moments. Tuesday, today. Uh, so we are quite a ways away from Friday. But I do want to mention that we will be having our happy hour at Retro Metro and a last chance for you to sign up and win, possibly. You got to sign up in order to have a chance to win, for our Alamo Draft House private showing of the Burbs. And that is going to be the following day, so Saturday. Uh, I'm really, in fact, uh, yesterday, I already in my head, I was like, I know the next movie that I'm going to pick. Oh, yeah? You'll have to tell me during break. I will tell you during break. And it was, it's, this- a, it's a movie that I, I quote quite often. Just um, Is this going to fall around Christmas? I, well, I don't know. I don't even know if they're going to have us do this again. Okay. For, for those that don't know, we we some time ago partnered up uh, with Alamo Draft House. Just a number of different things. We do ticket giveaways and so forth. And and one of oh, I think I know what it is. Do you really? I think I might. Hmm. I will be really surprised. Well, you said you quote it all the time. Yeah, but I don't know that I quote it around here. I quote it more at home. Okay. Well, Largely because mind. it's one that my dad quotes, and so it's sort of a uh, – I don't know how to describe it. But anyway, uh, I will be curious because perhaps I will put on the list okay. whatever it is that you're thinking. Um, so Alamo Draft House, they're like, hey, do you want a theater? You can show whatever you want. And there were a few exceptions, you know, like, well, you can't this and that and so forth. And uh, so The Burbs is one of my favorite movies. Tom Hanks, Corey Feldman, Bruce Dern, Carrie Fisher, among others. And I've never seen it in the theater. I just watched it growing up on VHS over and over and over again. And uh, I love it whenever I see that it's on and I have a chance to watch it. I do watch it. And it. I thought that's what I want to show. So we did a couple of weeks. You could get online and register. And if you did not win... Uh, your last chance to win. We have, I know at least one pair, but maybe more of tickets that we will give away while we are at Retro Metro for our happy hour. You just got to come by and, and sign up for that. Hopefully, though, they w- we will get to do more um, of these because I think, one, just to be able to it's pick a movie that I want, it's kind of a power thing. You know, like, it is a power uh, yeah, play. It is a total power play. Like I'm picking the movie I want. And uh, if you want to come along, that sounds cool, too. So I'm hoping that we will have more because I've already got a list in my head going. And now I can't wait to hear what your your suggestion or what you think the, or thought that may be. Because I'm trying to think what other movies I quote. You actually quote quite a few. Do I? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you do. I don't feel – I feel like that makes me kind of a – I don't want to say loser, but 
that I don't even realize Eccentric. I do it. That's the thing. I don't even realize I do it. And when you tell me, I may say, oh, oh, okay. Yeah, I guess I do do that quite often. All right. We're going to kick things off here with some of the latest developments regarding Israel and already a step in the right direction, not just politically, but for the country and just the situation at hand. The new House Speaker has come up with a funding package for Israel, and essentially it's what the Biden administration wants, but it is separate from Ukraine. The Oval Office address that was given by Biden the week before last, I believe it was, last week or the week before last, in which he tried to sell it to the American people that Ukraine and Israel, one and the same, cannot be separated. And that's just not smart. It's not smart for a number of reasons. It's not smart for the United States, not smart for Israel. It's smart for Russia. It's smart for Iran. It's I, I shouldn't say it's smart for them, but it's beneficial to them. And one of the main reasons is because the more connected one is to the other, the messier it can get when it comes to funding, right? What is the, the, the position of strength to present to Hamas and Iran and the enemies of Israel? If we as a country are going to stand behind Israel and say, hey, we're going to give Israel our support, and that includes financial when necessary. A position of strength is making sure that Iran and Hamas know that, oh, and by the way, it doesn't matter what happens with Ukraine. You may have noticed that there is some degree in the United States of discussion about the level of funding in Ukraine. There are some elected officials that do not want to continue funding to Ukraine. There are some that say, yes, uh, we're okay with the funding, but we want more oversight. And so it's not, you may have noticed, really cut and dry. Now, some the Biden administration, of course, would argue it should be cut and dry. Whatever Zelensky wants, Zelensky gets, and that's the way it should be. But that's not the way that it is. And so a message uh, from a position of strength regarding support for Israel to Hamas and Iran is, just so you know, it whatever messiness that occurs there, that is going to have zero impact on our resolve and our support for Israel because they're totally separate. We're dealing with them separately when it comes to funding. To signal, as Biden did from the White House, to Iran and Hamas, because they knew what he was doing. They knew that he is trying to coattail funding for Ukraine by way of Israel, because they know that he knows, that everyone knows, that there is pushback on Ukraine. So they recognize that the administration was essentially tethering what otherwise would be full unquestionable financial support for Israel to something that could could cause delay, that could cause hiccups, that could cause messiness there. That is only to their benefit. It should come as no surprise that this administration thought it was a good idea to not only tether the two together, but announce to the enemies of Israel that we were doing that, making it less assured 
that the United States would be able to provide Israel whatever it was that the United States decided Israel needed at any given time. There's that contingency component. Aside from the obvious desire Biden has that Zelensky is essentially the dictator over the United States when it comes to our spending and he gets whatever he wants, it is not strategically beneficial to any of the, quote, good guys, the United States and Israel primarily, to tie the two together, which, of course, stands to reason that Joe Biden would do just that because, as Robert Gates once famously said when it comes to foreign policy, Joe Biden has never been right. And, of course, former President Barack Obama once saying never underestimate Joe's ability to F things up. Latest news update. Good morning, everyone. I'm Angela Luna. A 17-year-old charge in Saturday's deadly shooting in Springfield could be tried as an adult. The Green County Juvenile Office telling Color 10 the suspect, whose name hasn't been released, is currently charged in juvenile court with second-degree murder and the death of 33-year-old Jacob Gatton. Police say the shooting happened Saturday night on South Sheridan Avenue in Southeast Springfield. The homeless man charged with intentionally setting fire to the Southside Baptist Church in Mountain Grove will be in court today for a trial setting. James Hopkins III is facing arson and burglary charges. A witness told police she saw Hopkins walking down the street after the fire earlier this year. He allegedly confessed to burning it down, and officers caught him as he was trying to leave town. From Color 10 Studios, I'm Angela Luna. The first alert forecast from Color 10. Fox 49 meteorologist Tom Schmidt freeze warning this morning for Ozark County. Rest of us, widespread frost before 7, then sunshine high of 40. Tonight, widespread frost, 19 for a low. That's straight up temp. That's, That's not, gross. That is gross. <laughs> Tomorrow, widespread frost, 47, sunny, 57 on Thursday. Uh, talking about the Alamo Draft House and, and uh, the upcoming showing, which is this Saturday, of the Burbs. And your last chance to get tickets for that at Retro Metro for our happy hour, 4 to 6 this Friday. Talking about if we are able to do this in the future, what movies I would pick. And Sarah was guessing. I thought, oh, no, you're not right. Because she said, well, you quote it here at work a lot. The movie. I was thinking, what movie would I pick next to show? And, uh, and I said, well, I don't really quote this movie at work. Uh, but, in fact, she was absolutely correct. The movie is Coneheads. <laughs> a cinematic classic. It's a good one. I guess I say, yes, you are correct. Quite All the a bit time. Here. Yeah. Yes. At home, I, I, I often tell a girl child that she's like a, a flathrag on payday. That's one of the other. And uh, uh, what is, there's another Conehead. Have you seen Coneheads? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it, I, I, it is just one of those movies that every time I watch it, I forget how much I like it and how great Dan Aykroyd is in that movie. Uh, it's one of the few sort of, I was it, I think, of, well, it was SNL. Coneheads were initially SNL, Jane Curtin, and was Dan Aykroyd? Well, they both were in the movie. So, yeah, I guess they were the original Coneheads uh, on SNL. And uh, I don't know. It's just, to me, one of those absolute, my, one of my favorite scenes is the firework that he lights off at oh, the, uh-huh. the football uh, game, the homecoming game or whatever it is. But anyway, so that would be on my list. 
And you ask though about Christmas because you were thinking Krampus. Yes, that is one of my that annual. That is your favorite. I love watching Krampus. It's one of my holiday traditions. I'm the only one in the house that watches it. By the way, <laughs> my wife watches White Christmas, and then um, what is it? There's some other family something. It's got uh, I don't know. It's got a bunch of people in it. It's it's your sort of classic loves. Uh, Man, it has a lot of people in it I just can't think of at this time. But anyway, it's not one that I like very much, but she watches that. She watches more Christmas movies while I watch Krampus. And I, there's a few different versions of Krampus, but uh, the one I like, it came out a few years ago. And I, I think most people either know of it or have seen it. But that would be a great one to show at Christmas as well. I think so. I, and every year, this time, I'm like, you know what I'm going to do next year? I'm going to get in a parade, and I'm going to get a real elaborate Krampus outfit. But I never do it. I'm afraid people would get upset. I don't want to upset people at Christmas. Coming up, House Republicans unveil Israeli aid package with matching IRS cuts. So Congressman Burleson, when he joined us yesterday, we we spoke about the budgeting stuff and the difference between what was going to be Jim Jordan's approach versus Speaker Johnson's approach. And as much as Congressman Burleson noted he liked Jim Jordan's approach, he, he was beginning to think that this approach Mike Johnson liked better. And one of the things, just talking about funding and budgeting and so forth, is in, on the issue of Israel and having that standalone separate it from Ukraine. And not only that, but pay for it, quote, unquote, pay for it. So instead of just saying, well, we're just going to borrow more money, uh, we're going to whatever money we give, we're going to find where to cut that. From other places. Oh, guess where it's going to be? The IRS. Oh. That next, I'm Nick Reed. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. That began the nightmare on my street. Oh, I see you. Uh, have the Halloween music in. I do. Trick or treat, yo. After weeks of dogging me for not dressing up, I notice you're not. I, no, I'm not because I have a doctor's oh, wait, appointment uh, right after the show. And I thought, you know what? I don't want to dress mm-hmm. up as Wendy's okay. and go to the doctor. Okay, well, now. It's all right. It's cool. I, I wasn't going to bring it up until we were on air. That's fine. It's so, okay. Or I didn't. Well, I would have been the only one that would dress up anyways. Uh, Probably. House Republicans unveil Israeli aid package with matching IRS cuts. Ooh. Fiscal responsibility, anyone? Is that what that? Is that what? I smell fiscal responsibility. We haven't really seen that put into actual play for some time. House Speaker Mike Johnson Monday announced legislation to provide Israel with $14.3 billion in aid amid Jerusalem's ongoing conflict with the terrorist group Hamas. The package would deliver the sum requested by Biden in his own security package. Unlike the White House plan, however, the House plan would provide aid solely to Israel and offer no support to Ukraine. Biden has requested $61 billion in support for Kiev amid the ongoing war with Russia. This was the speech that he gave from the Oval Office trying to essentially hijack the universal support for providing some form of aid to Israel with his desire to allow Zelensky to continue to use the American people's blank check. Just the news reports that Johnson faces an uphill battle in the House to pass the bill as Democrats hope to pair any support for Israel with Ukraine. 
While conservatives in the chamber have expressed opposition to sending more money overseas amid the U.S. own financial woes, offsetting the cost, however, would be matching cuts to the Internal Revenue Service, according to Politico. Specifically, it would reclaim some of the funding assigned to the agency to hire 87,000 new agents from the Inflation Reduction Act. Those funds have long come under Republican scrutiny, with many worrying that an enlarged IRS would unduly target middle- and low-income Americans. The package itself would provide funding to defend American service branches to secure military equipment and uh, as well as directly fund Israeli missile and laser defense systems. It would provide $4.4 billion for the use on uh, attacks in Israel. Now, you know, incidentally, the obstacle before it even gets to the White House is going to be Mitch McConnell. I, I imagine... And although we could see Mike Johnson really prove himself here, we, we, we don't know what sort of speakership skills he has. But as it stands, rest assured, Mitch McConnell is going to side with the Biden administration and demand that taxpayers be on the hook for more Ukraine funding in exchange for supporting Israel. There is absolutely no meaningful or legitimate reason to have these tied together other than the writing of coattails. I I understand it from that standpoint, from the standpoint of we we you know th- this is a a way to sneak it in. It's not really sneak it in, but it's just ride the coattails in to get that Ukraine funding. I understand it from that political standpoint, the motivation. Outside of that, It is not beneficial, and in fact, it's a hindrance to have those two things tied together. Because that means in order to do what you need for one, you have to then work out what you need for the other. And that is only going to add time and obstacles when it comes to trying to effectively and efficiently deal with these two particular issues, specifically when it comes to funding. There's no upside. Only downside. This is, uh, frankly, a pretty good idea because, again, when you have problems from those that are conservative because of the spending issue to say, all right, well, the IRS will just that that money that was part of the, quote, Inflation Reduction Act. Uh, We'll use it there. And it's not exactly as if funding the IRS is a massive selling point for middle America. It is going to be very difficult for those who are opposed to separating the funding to run out to their constituents and cry about the fact that this is a plot to steal money away from the IRS. That, that, that's just not going to be the easiest sell in the world. It will be interesting to see whether or not as the new speaker, Johnson will get Mitch McConnell to come to the side of fiscal responsibility and sanity on this issue, or if he is going to stay with his heels dug in, siding with Chuck Schumer and the Biden administration. So time will tell on that. In the meantime, an Israeli government ministry has drafted a wartime proposal 
to transfer the Gaza Strips, 2.3 million people, to Egypt's Sinai Peninsula? Well, that seems like the obvious answer, doesn't it? Everybody wins. We're told that Israel makes life miserable for the people of Gaza. We are told that as a landlord, Israel is the absolute worst. In fact, it's apartheid. It is cleansing. It is every horrific humanitarian violation you can think of in terms of description. That is what the Israelis do to the people of Gaza. It is a, quote, open-air prison, we have heard. And, of course, criticism often comes from so many of these other countries that are in the Middle East. Does the obvious answer then not just present itself so clearly in front of us, and that is, well, hey, okay, uh, well, we have real problems with this situation in Gaza. They tell us we're horrible landlords. We're, we're the, the worst people on the planet. In fact, they openly say they want us all killed. That's how bad we are. You all say that you sympathize with them, and they're right. Why don't you become their new landlord? Well, of course not, see. Guess who's against that? Everyone who claims that they actually care about the people in Gaza. In fact, the Palestinians have condemned the plan. And tensions with Egypt have been risen because of this suggestion. It's almost similar to what we have seen here in the United States, where you have people on the left, these Democrat mayors, Democrat governors, that have gone on and on about the evil racist Republicans and how horrible red states are, how racist they are, and then said, hey, we love illegals. We're sanctuary cities. And then when the Republicans say, oh, well, that works out nicely then. Uh, You want them. You talk about how great they are. You say, we're horrible. I mean, we create these awful racist environments in these red states. So everybody wins if we send them to you. It's fantastic. Great idea. And who's the first people to pitch a fit about it? Well, it's the governors and the the mayors of these blue states and cities who claim that their one interest is for those who are coming into this country illegally. Who who label themselves for the purposes of virtue signaling as sanctuary cities in order to make a political point. But when it really comes down to taking responsibility for that, when it really comes down to putting your money where your mouth is, they're the first one. Well, no, wait a minute here. You can't do that. And that's exactly what has occurred in the Middle East on numerous occasions with these other countries that claim they care so much about the people of Gaza and claim that Israel is this horrific place that creates the horrific conditions for the people of Gaza. And then when it's like, well, you guys, okay, well, here's a perfect solution. Well, we can't do that, can we? Because they know. None of them want to deal with this. None of them want to deal with the people that they side with. And you know why? Because they know it isn't about Israel. They know that this behavior is not the result of Israel being a horrible landlord. They know the problem isn't Israel. 
and they don't want to be responsible for the problem. Springfield's Talk 1041. I'm Nick Reed. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. treated to this all day all day all well morning. just this show yeah no i love it x files is one of the shows that i watch to go to sleep after I, I like the tv on when i go to sleep but it can't be any it's, it has to have a certain in the same way a uh, level tone to it i can't watch comedies anything that engages that laughter emotion that that keeps me awake uh can't be anything action so law and order x files shows like that are shows that I can easily go to sleep to. So that music just makes me want to do that. Uh, all right. Your stupid music distracted me. I'm sorry. Streaming live, that's it. Facebook, uh, 1041 Nick Reed, sponsored by Springfield Raps. Uh, Mr. Pruitt on the Facebook feed. Love the costume. I can't believe Nick dressed up as... I can't see the little... Is that an elephant? Is that what... Did you see the comment from Mr. Pruitt there? A rhino. Oh, oh, it's a rhino. Is that what it is? Uh-huh. I could, I can't. It's this. It's too small on the screen, and it's over there. I can't. I can't see it. Uh, I was going to be Fetterman. I, that was last that week. Been easy. Last week off air when you and Christy were just berating me for not dressing up for Halloween. Uh, it came up that, well, I could just put on a hoodie and be like Fetterman. But do you know what I realized last night having a conversation? I don't have a hoodie. <laughs> I have one, but it's not a sweat hoodie uh-huh. like he wears. It's um, uh, just regular sort of like thin T-shirt material. And so that didn't seem appropriate. But I do have the gym shorts that I wore, I think, once. I'm glad I didn't dress up like Fetterman, though. It kind of has a Fetterman. It looks a little bit. It's too cold it's to dress weird, up like that anyways. A, yeah, it is. All right. Uh, we've got happy hour on Friday, 4 to 6, Retro Metro, and it's your last chance to score a pair of tickets to our private showing of the Burbs the following day, that Saturday at Alamo Draft House. We've got a traffic update now. I'm Nick Reed. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. I put a spell on. And now you're mine. Is this Hocus Pocus? Yes. I got a good ear. Sarah Myers. Hey, thank you. Well, this morning when I was leaving for work, it was like 27 uh, degrees outside. And so I used my fancy features on my Avis long-term rental program car. And I had the remote start and the heated seats, the heated steering wheel and... I was living like high on the hog. It was really nice, and it was nice and warm uh, when I got into my vehicle. And that's one of the things that the long-term rental program touts is that uh, Avis has brand-new vehicles that oftentimes have uh, those top-tier trim-level packages. And that is great if you are in the market, especially if you are not used to a lot of those bells and whistles in a vehicle and you are looking to purchase a new vehicle in the future, it's a good way to test and see if this is something that you want or you can live without. Um, And also, the great thing about the long-term rental program is if you are looking for a new vehicle and you get into something that you are kind of interested in purchasing, but you realize, you know, this is not for me, you can swap out vehicles every couple of months if you wish to do so. Now, if you want more information on the long-term rental program, I recommend that you take a trip over to the Avis store. It's located here in Springfield off of Fort and Sunshine, and you can speak to Lauren. And of course, you can find all of the contact information for Avis under the Sarah's Endorsements tab at KSGF.com. One of the largest 
obstacles that Israel consistently has to deal with when it comes to its own protection is a, a range of characteristics in the international community and world leaders that it, it ranges from stupidity to obtuseness, ignorance. It is not a secret. Everyone knows. Everyone knows how the terrorists play the game. They'll strike, then they hide among civilians, knowing full well that it would be virtually impossible for the target of their terrorist attack to retaliate without there being some sort of civilian harm, and then they use that to their advantage. And they use it to diminish the ability of the target of their terrorist attack to come after them so that they can continue to survive and regroup. This happens over and over and over again. And the great frustration that they have and that I think a lot of thinking people have, I'm one of them, is that it doesn't matter how many times they do it. People still fall for it. And they know that they do it. But for whatever reason, I think because it's just easier, for whatever reason, it are, the Jews are the oppressors. They're bad. And so, yeah, we don't think that it's right necessarily to uh, wipe them off the planet. But it's just easier somehow to side with Hamas for some of these people. And this was on full, it's on full display on a daily basis. But I wanted to play some audio where you had yesterday on MSNBC, Andrea Mitchell reports, an Israeli government spokesman, uh, Elon Levy. And it's, it is this exchange in which you will hear Andrea Mitchell do, whether she intends to or not, she is working on behalf of Hamas. Every time you hear the Israelis confronted with, well, can't you just, can't you just, I mean, can't you just cease fire long enough to get supplies to the citizens of Gaza? That is propaganda on behalf of Hamas. That is not to say that it is something that she understands that she's doing or she wants to be doing, or she may realize it, but the motivation right now is not the point. It's the reality of the fact that this happens. And the frustration is in a place, she asked him about the White House, and if he is concerned about the White House being concerned about humanitarian issues in Gaza, and the storyline that we continue to hear is that Israel has cut off their fuel, they've cut off this, they've cut off that, and oh, it's unfair to hold all of those people. You want to talk about hostages? They're holding 2.3 million people hostage without clean water and electricity and fuel, and that's where the real terrorism is. And so Hamas, they use that. And here Andrea Mitchell is asking this um Israeli government spokesman, whether or not they have concern about the White House and the, the, the humanitarian push 
that they are encouraging. Now, as for the humanitarian situation in the Gaza Strip, we want to see humanitarian aid reach the people of Gaza through the Rafah border crossing with Egypt. And of course, we're discussing with international partners ways to step up humanitarian aid. But we have only one condition, which is our right and duty under international law, and that's to make sure that resources not reach Hamas, that Hamas, which perpetrated the October 7th massacre, not exploit those humanitarian corridors in order to rearm. Now, here's an example. You mentioned the question of fuel. We know, for example, that Hamas, the governing body in the Gaza Strip, has stockpiled 500,000 litres of fuel, 130,000 gallons. Now, what can you do with 500,000 litres of fuel? That's enough to circumnavigate the globe in a Boeing 747, just to give you an impression of how much fuel Hamas has stockpiled. Now, we have an obligation to protect our citizens, and we have an obligation to make sure that the fuel not reach Hamas. What's the problem? Hamas controls the distribution of resources inside the Gaza Strip. Hamas also decides when to steal resources from international agencies. It's only been two weeks since the UN admitted in a tweet that it has since deleted under pressure from Hamas that Hamas stole fuel from its own stockpiles. Hamas stole 24,000 litres of fuel from the United Nations, which is now covering it up. So of course we want to see humanitarian aid reach the people of Gaza, but we also can't allow the international community's goodwill to be exploited by the terrorists who perpetrated the October 7th massacre in order to rearm and refuel their machine of war and terror against our people. Now, this isn't new information. This isn't a revelation. Everyone knows this is how this game is played. This is exactly why Hamas calls for a ceasefire and humanitarian aid, because they use it for Hamas. As he noted here, these supplies that the international community is demanding that there be a ceasefire so the supplies can get into the people of Gaza, the the supplies are there. Hamas has them. But they do not use them for humanitarian aid. Despite the fact that this is not new, these these poor people from Israel who have to go on these shows and over and over and over again, I can't imagine the level of frustration. It has to be almost as frustrating as trying to track down the terrorists themselves, going on these shows and repeating the obvious over and over and over and over again. And then listen to this response. Now, the, what should the response be? Well, yes, that is true. We know that. We Yes. Right? I mean, this isn't true. It's not a The recognition that you cannot deliver, as long as Hamas exists, aid cannot get to the people of Gaza. Cannot happen because Hamas does not let it. And here is the response from Andrea Mitchell. Is there a way for a humanitarian pause in order to get escorted fuel in through the International Red Cross, through other agencies? Because... People are dying in these hospitals without the generators, without the fuel that they need, without incubators for children, which need electricity. Isn't there any way to save some of these innocent people by getting fuel deliveries in and and work out a way with Qatar? I mean, you're negotiating with all these people in any case. Um, work, but 
you have to pause the bombing in order for to that happen. You've contained Hamas. They can't break through. You've got them surrounded. Isn't there some way to have these brief pauses? Uh, it's as if she... Uh, it, it is... It, it, these people are like cult members where they hear nothing connected to reality. He just explained, though it does not need explaining, and this wasn't something, he's, he's referencing the fact that even the New York Times is writing about this. Everyone knows it. The fuel is there. They have it. They have it stockpiled. I mean, he mentioned how much fuel there was enough to fly around, whatever, you know, in order to give a concept of just how much fuel that they have just stockpiled. It's there. And then what's her response? Well, isn't there a way that you can just go ahead and see? I mean, because without fuel, babies are dying without fuel. The fuel is there. We as a culture Across this globe, I've noted this before, and here is a demonstration on a full display. We peaked some time ago. How it is, it's no, we are watching before our very eyes the decline of humanity, the unnecessary death of people because of total and complete stupidity, the refusal to recognize reality. To sit there and ha have this conversation and explain, okay, now I know we all know this. They have the fuel. The fuel is there. They have crap tons of it stockpiled. And then the response is, well, but they really need fuel. I mean, babies are dying without it. I don't know how these people can go on these shows and with and not lose it on these people. He would go on to note, and I thought that this was interesting because it it's this is where, God forbid I use the terminology that Trump used, Hamas is smart. He noted that for weeks now, they've been talking about the hospitals are out of fuel. He said, yet every day they end up with fuel. And he says, do you know why that is? And it, it's for a couple of reasons. One, so that they can continue this narrative. You know, if they actually didn't give them fuel and then the hospital closed down, they would no longer be able to use that in order to get the media to do the propaganda on behalf of Hamas. But at the same time, this one of the particular hospitals uh, he notes is that they have their um, one of their operational centers. Hamas underneath the hospital. It is to their benefit to have innocent civilians in that hospital because they know that it diminishes the likelihood that Israel is going to be able to successfully take them out as long as they're hiding under civilians. And if they do attempt to while trying to save civilians but manage to kill some civilians while taking out the terrorists, then we'll see what we saw a couple of weeks ago. Here we go. The Israelis taking out hospitals again. Think about that for a moment. This is an organization that you have people on the left, including professors and student organizations across this country supporting Hamas, that is keeping people alive, their own citizens in hospitals, only so they can be used for propaganda purposes if they get killed. 
And then when this reality, again, this isn't theory, this isn't conspiracy, everyone recognizes this is what's happening. They still have to go in, in, in this country and across the globe on television to do these interviews to have people like Andrea Mitchell say, well, but can't you just go ahead and stop it? And stop the bombing. And don't you know they need fuel? You're listening to Nick Reed in the morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. Holler Building Company, Woodvale Development, Golden and Weaver, new subdivision, 3,100 square feet, three to five bedrooms. This is for people who are looking for brand new homes. You don't want to do the remodeling. You want it brand new. Um, you know, you don't want ghosts living there from previous owners or any of that bad vibe stuff going on. And you like the blank slate idea. You go to the showroom floor and you're like, I like this style, that style, that style. And bam, when you get the keys to your house, you open it up first time. It's exactly the way you want it. That's Holler Building Company. O-L-L-E-R. Democrat infighting breaks out over support of Israel's right to defend itself against terrorism. Democrat infighting turned physical Friday after Representative Andre Carson, a Democrat from Indiana, repeatedly called Representative Josh Gottheimer, a Democrat from New Jersey, cowardly in an interview and said, quote, we can handle it like gentlemen or we can get into something else. Carson was responding to a post on Twitter by Gottheimer where he slammed 15 Democrat colleagues who voted against or present on a House resolution expressing support for Israel to defend itself, saying that it was despicable that they would not vote in favor of Israel supporting itself. Carson's threat drew criticism from prominent Jewish progressives. Jonathan Greenblatt, CEO of the Anti-Defamation League, posted in it's inexcusable for any member of Congress to threaten a colleague, especially egregious that Andrew Carson is threatening a Jewish member for speaking out at a moment when we're seeing a massive spike in anti-Semitism. What's the point? Does he think it's productive to uh, intimidate the congressman? Gottheimer later sought to tamp down tension, posting he was thankful for colleagues who did support the bipartisan resolution and that it's more important than ever for us to talk to each other and so forth. So where's Biden to step in and call for calm amongst those in his own party? I noted, and I will reiterate the notation, last week or the week prior when Democrats were going on and on about what a train wreck Republicans were because they could not pick a speaker, how embarrassing it was, not just for the Republicans, but this country, that they couldn't get their act together. They're just so divided. And I noted, you know what, of the two parties, one that was infighting and divided over a speaker, while the Democrat Party has infighting over whether or not Jews should be eliminated from the planet. Now, you tell me which party has a real problem here. We heard, we've heard uh, the new speaker referred to as an extremist. Oh, this is the extremist element within the Republican Party. This just shows you how bad they are. Well, let's look at the extreme element within the Democrat Party. People who think that Jews are the problem. People who are openly supporting Hamas's right to torture, maim, kill the Jewish people? 
if I'm going to put the, quote, extremist within the Republican Party up against what we're watching on full display in terms of extremists within the Democrat Party, guess which of the two I'm siding with. <laughs>